If you read approximately 4.25 chapters out of the Bible each day, you'll be able to complete the Word of God in a year. Praises. But I have a more significant question for you, a couple of them actually. How much of that reading is changing you? Is God's Word transforming you, or are you a duty reader, assuming you read the Bible at all? Biff reached over and hit the snooze button for the second time. Finally, his wife came in and shook him from his dream state. He glared at her and squinted toward the clock. With a start, he jumped from the bed and dashed for the bathroom to get ready for work. He had 20 minutes. He made it just in the nick of time. What's really impressive about Biff's wind sprint is that he did his Bible reading, too, on the way to work. He read, I probably should put that in quotation marks, he read one of the Psalms, which equipped, more quotation marks, it equipped him spiritually for his day. With coffee in his belly and the Word of God in his heart, Biff was ready to take on the world. Let me go back to my questions, my more significant questions. How much of your reading is changing you? Is God's Word transforming you, or are you a duty reader, assuming you read the Bible at all? Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas, and the title of this podcast and the article, if you want to read it, more than 2,000 words, you're welcome to read it and share it, is titled, Seven Keys That Will Transform Your Life. I'm sure every one of you that listen to this podcast love God's Word. And so the question that I want you to focus on today, is God's Word transforming you? What I want to do is give you seven keys. You could say seven steps because they are in a systematic, incremental order of importance. And if you apply these seven keys to your life, I promise you your Bible reading will be transformative. I'm so glad that you are here, and I, I hope that you do share our resources with others. Many of you do. Thank you so much. Also, if you want to talk to me about any of our content, this or maybe something else, well, you can do that freely. There's no catch here. You can go to our website. We have free community forums. People have already been on them today. I'm doing this podcast in the morning, and people have been on our forums asking questions Virtually every day when I awake, there are questions waiting for me because we live in a 24-hour culture because of the omnipresent effect of our ministry. It never sleeps, and so while I'm sleeping, somebody's not, and they're asking questions, and so I get to wake up to questions every morning and it happens throughout our day, and it's our pleasure to do that. There are people who believe in our ministry, and they support it financially. And so the things that you benefit from, they do come for those who appreciate what we're doing and they want to help. If you want to help, you're welcome to do that. Now, perhaps you can't do that financially. It, it ain't no problem. It's really not. But here are a couple things you can do that would help share our resources with others. Another is if you would go on the platform where you're listening to this podcast and you would give a five-star review or five-star uh, 
click five stars or however that works, and then write a review for us. That will help us to grow organically where more people can reach uh, or more people can listen to this podcast. And so you can partner with us that way. Share our content, write a review. That way you're letting other people know. Let me get into this podcast, Seven Keys That Will Transform Your Life. Biff, you know, I I hope that you cannot relate to Biff. Maybe you're one of those meditative, reflective individuals who spends an hour a day perusing God's Word, personally applying it all along the way. And because of your spiritual disciplines, you're living a transformational life rather than an informational one like Biff. And so how about it? Does the Word of God transform you? Are you doing more than your rote Bible reading duty? Some people, unfortunately, regrettably, are ensconced in legalism, and for whatever reason and however they got there, they just feel this this oppressing guilt that comes over them if they don't do their Bible reading, regardless if it has any transformational effect. Are you finding pleasure in your daily readings? Like a man in a desert, you approach God's Word as though it's the first time you've had water in a long season. It reminds me of a text, an illustration, uh, the text I read many years ago with the illustration. It's Job 23, 12. It says, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Here's the illustration, and don't try this at home, but during my uh, time in the crucible of suffering, which was uh, about a decade, I, I lived alone, and it was it was a horrible experience. <laughs> I'll just put it like that. And so... At one point during this season, I got the idea of getting me a dog. I named the dog Ahab. Uh, There's reasons for that. He was a beautiful, beautiful dog, but I shouldn't have got the dog. And I went and I traveled somewhere. I went to West Virginia uh, for several days during the winter, and I forgot to leave food for my dog. And Yes, I'm very sad about that. It was a dumb thing to do. It was an irresponsible thing to do. But I forgot to leave food for Ahab. I came home after a few days. It was blistering cold in my little single-wide mobile home in the woods, shoved back in a, a secluded place in Greenville, South Carolina. But when I came home, my dog had not had food for several days. And when he saw me, my dog was, Ahab was leaping six feet in the air. That's the truth, because he was licking me on the face. He was so glad to see me, it was more important than the food that he needed in his belly. And as Ahab was jumping flat-footed from the floor to my face, God reminded me of this verse in Job 23, 12. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my my portion of food. And I was so rebuked. The first thing I did as I repented, I asked, you know, the first thing I should have done is I should have fed Ahab. But the first thing that I did is I asked God to forgive me. I said, I want to be like my dog I I want to treasure your words. I want to treasure your words more than my necessary food. God went on to tell Job that if you consider the beast of the field, they will teach you. 
I was watching my little beast, Ahab, and, and God was using this to teach me to treasure his word more than my food. And so as I was walking out repentance, I did feed my dog, and, and Ahab was fine. He was, he was fine, and God used that moment in my life to help me to grow in my affection for God's word. But I dare say most Christians are like Biff, rather than transformational man. Most of us mirror the Brill Cream commercial from the late 50s. Very few, well, a lot of us will know this if you're over you know, 60 years old, let's say. Their catchphrase was, a little dab will do you. Just put a little bit of Brill Cream in your hair and just a little bit will do you. A little dab will do you. There will never be a shortage of Bible studies. I meet Christian after Christian who is in a relational or situational difficulty, and they have a solid working knowledge of the Word of God. Rarely is Bible information the primary problem with struggling Christians. Typically, these believers read and, and study the Bible for informational purposes, probably maybe unwittingly because they don't know any different. I'm not saying it's intentional that they're premeditatively doing this. Maybe they are. and They are thrilled to know what the Bible says, but they don't experience inside to outside transformation. Are you an informational reader or a transformational one? If you are, I want to give you seven essential components, steps, elements, keys to useful transformational Bible reading, and it will totally change your life. Here they are. They're in this order, and then I'll talk about each one of them individually. Number one, salvation. Duh. All right. Number two, affection for God's Word. Number three, context. Number four, study. Number five, memorization. Number six, application. Number seven, discipleship. So there they are. Seven essential components to useful transformational Bible reading. Salvation, affection, context, study, memorization, application, discipleship. Let's take the first one, salvation. Now, this point is a no-brainer. I know you know that, but I must say it. You see, Bible reading is a spiritual discipline, which means the Spirit must be active in and illuminating your soul. Without the Spirit, who brings transformation as He engages the soul with the Word of God, there will be no transformation. The verse is 1 Corinthians 2.14 that you know quite well. The natural person doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God. If you're a natural person, you don't accept the things of the Spirit of God because they are a foolish folly to you. And you're not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So there is a connection between the Spirit and spiritual. And so you must be alive, raised from darkness, naturalness from the, the dead. No Spirit, no light. The Spirit brings His illuminating light to your mind. As you read God's Word, without Him, the Bible is still an excellent informational read, like reading a history book. It's, a, it's an excellent book to read, even without the Spirit of God. But with the Spirit, you can enjoy the transformational benefits of His empowered illumination. So number one is salvation. Number two is affection. Being a Christian is not the only thing you need. Yeah, it is an essential step. You must be more, however, you must be more 
than just born again. I'm not downplaying salvation at all. I am saying none of us are entirely sanctified. Salvation is the beginning of the transformational process. There are many Christians who do not have an affection for the Word of God. These individuals read by rote. Think Biff here. Coffee in his belly and the Word of God in his heart. He did his duty reading between the traffic lights. And they will do their duty. But they, their reading, what they read, does not affect them. You must have affection. Your ontology, your state of being, who you are on the inside, you must have affection for God's Word to experience affection. Affected is what happens to you, and affection is what is in you. If you have affection in your heart for the Word of God, you will be affected by it. Do you have affection for God's Word like, like Ahab, my, my dog, the, the words of his owner's mouth were more precious to him than, than his necessary food. My question here is vital. Perhaps you don't have this kind of, of affection for God's Word. If not, this is where you need to start praying. Ask the Father to give you love for His Word. Ask Him to work in your heart until you are an affected person. Having affection for something is how you will be affected by it. Maybe you can recall the season when you met your spouse and how you began to grow in affection for that person. The more you grew in affection in your heart, the more you grew in affection for your spouse, the more your spouse affected you. Most assuredly, that was my situation the more affection God gave me for Lucia, the more I wanted to be affected by her. It, w- it was hard to stay away from her. I wanted to see her, talk to her, hang with her. I was an affected man because I had affection for her. This is not a relationship marriage podcast, but for those of you who are having marriage problems and you want to resolve those problems behaviorally, you won't be able to do that. The first thing you have to do is grow in your love for that person. Now, that may take a lot of time. I'm talking about it could take two years to get to that point, though you can get there incrementally along the way. But maybe you need to spend a long season in your closet on your knees begging God to give you affection for that person And the same applies to his word. So uh, step number one is you must be born again. Salvation, number two, affection. Number three is context. If you are born again and you have affection for his word, you need a context to study his word. Now this key means you need a physical space, your space, the place where you meet God in his word. Bible study can be just as haphazard as our prayer time. We catch it when we can. And while there is merit to on-the-fly study, I'm not throwing that completely out, but I am saying it will not sustain or change you over the long haul. You need dedicated time in a dedicated spot for an extended period. Biff called up on his Bible reading and all the traffic lights between home and work. His study time was distracted time. Whatever he put in his head was flushed out by a car horn. 
a street person asking for money or trying to wash his windshield, and the hectic driving as everyone was battling for position as, as they were heading there heading toward their work so they would not be late. Biff lived in a delusion. He felt good about himself because he was reading his Bible every, uh, nearly every day. Check that off. The misconception was him thinking that was enough. It was not close enough, close to enough. Personal Bible study has to be like a personal prayer time. You need non-distractive, a non-invasive environment. If you don't have this, you'll not be able to compete with the noise in your world. Other things will press into your mind as you seek to hide God's Word in your life. Busyness is a Bible study, Bible reading killer. In fact, you can test this. The next person that comes to you that's struggling with some kind of personal or relational problem, ask them about these uh, seven sequential steps that I'm talking about here. Virtually every time you will find out that these things are not happening the way that they should. Key number one to transformational Bible reading is salvation. Number two is affection. Number three is context. Number four is study. Once you have the place, you can begin the work of studying the Bible. Now, there are many ways of doing this. I'm not going to mention them here. But I'll only say there are several, and you should, you should choose several. Don't be loyal to just one way to study the Bible. I mean, for example, uh, I have read the Bible several times in, in 30 days. I've read the Bible many times in one year. I've read the Bible out loud one year, and I read the Bible backwards one year. Backwards meaning reading the book of Revelation, then the book of Jude, <laughs> not reading it. The words backwards, but starting in Revelation and going to Genesis. There are many ways to read the Bible. My most effective method of studying the Bible is journaling. I'll read a verse or a passage, and then I'll reflect on it for a while. I'm talking about sometimes for days. And then I'll start writing. You see, writing forces me to think profoundly and substantially about God's Word. Writing is harder and more concise than talking. It also takes more self-control and discipline. Journaling has been the most effective means of grace regarding my Bible study habits. It has done more to train my mind, humanly speaking, than any of my Bible study habits. You can ask your friends and pastors how they study their Bibles They'll give you ideas, and don't be afraid to try their suggestions. You do not have to stick with any single method, but you want to find out what works for you. So number four is study. Number five is memorization. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. Need I say more? I've never met a person who has memorized vast portions of Scripture and regretted doing so. I've met many people who wish they had more of the Word of God stored in their hearts. And also recommend that if you go memorize Scripture, to memorize books of the Bibles rather than chapters and rather than verses. There are only 66 books, so that's easier. There's 1,189 chapters, so that's a little more difficult because there's so many of them. And then the verses, oh my, those are like marbles and, or puzzle pieces scattered all over the floor. Hard to keep it all together. But it would be easier to keep books together, and so I do recommend, if you don't want to memorize books, at least memorize chapters, and it also helps you to get the context as well. 
You don't want to be that regretful person who wished you had stored more of God's Word in your heart. You can begin memorizing today. Take a 3 by 5 index card and write a verse on it to remember it. Read it over and over until you own it, until it is in your heart. Maybe I should do a podcast on memorization. There, there are tips that you need to consider. I benefited once upon a time by the book. I think the book was titled Total Recall. It, it was just taught about memorization techniques, and it helped me substantially during a, a long season. In fact, that was the season during my crucible of suffering where, where I was alone so much, where I, I did commit to uh, memorizing chapters and books of the Bible. And there are ways that you can do that. And I think maybe I'll do a podcast, a Life Over Coffee podcast about uh, memorization techniques. Every counselor who counsels biblically has this experience. Here it is. They were caring for someone, and the Spirit of God brought a verse to their attention so they could share it with the person that they were serving. Happens all the time. The Spirit of God may not bring a verse you memorized to mind, but He will bring something you stored in your heart, whatever you've been reflecting on. You want to be a thinker. It's a lost skill set to be a thinker because we live in such a, a noisy, Twitterverse-distracting world. But you stored something in your heart, and he brings it to your mind in a moment when you need it most. The Bible is not a magic book. It does not work through osmosis. What goes in will come out whenever the Spirit finds pleasure to bring what you have stored in your heart. This concept is one of the mysterious ways God works. He brings to mind the things you placed in it. If you choose not to put anything in your mind, when the Spirit of God illuminates your mind and realizes it's an it's a echo chamber or it's a, uh, it's a darkened room, don't be surprised if you're not changing. Memorization is a crucial part of Bible study. When you memorize it, you're taking ownership of it. The title of the podcast, Seven Keys That Will Transform Your Life. I'm talking about transformational Bible reading as opposed to informational Bible reading. Key number one, salvation. Number two, affection. Number three, context. Number four, study. Number five, memorization. Number six, application. Let me ask you a few questions before I get into this. Are you a Christian? Salvation. Do you have affection for the Word of God? Affection. Do you have a context to study the Word of God? Context. Do you study the Word of God? Study. Do you memorize the Word of God? Memorization. Now number six is application time. Knowledge without application can make you intelligent, but not make you mature in God. The practicalization of the Word of God is one of the most prominent missing links in any Christian's pursuit of God through His Word. This problem happens when an individual shows up for counseling. He may be Word-centered. Listen to that. He may be Word-centered, but he is at a loss on how to apply God's Word to his life. Do you hear the irony here? Though he can do a half-hearted job on the first five steps, he cannot respond half-heartedly on this one, application. He must be tenacious about applying God's Word to his life. 
if he's not serious about the application and does not have several sure means for doing so, he will not experience transformation by the Word of God. And this is the most significant breakdown when it comes to a lack of application. When you ask that question, what is the most significant breakdown when it comes to a lack of application? That part is easy to answer. Is people not willing to open themselves up to others who can competently care for them? Most people seek to apply the Word of God to themselves by themselves. It's one of the reasons that books are so popular. It's a private way where you don't have to reveal your vulnerable self to a, another person hoping that you can fix yourself through a book or through various private studies of all sorts. And while this can do some good it is not enough. It can't be. It was never meant to be this way exclusively. This critical need is why you see so many one another passages in the New Testament. The most underutilized group of people in the body of Christ is the body of Christ when it comes to helping each other apply the Word of God to their lives. We're all like the Ethiopian eunuch more than we realize or are willing to admit in Acts 8, 30 and 31, Philip ran to him, the Ethiopian, and, and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, reading the Bible. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The Ethiopian said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This need is a huge missing link in the churches of God. For example, you see things in people that... They need your help, and you see stuff in yourself too. But we don't make an effort to do anything about it, not until the person is in a crisis. You know, it's not uncommon for someone to say something along these lines. I saw it coming. I told my husband just last year, Biff was having marriage problems. I knew it. Something was not right with him and Mabel. Every person listening to this has thought private thoughts about someone, but never sought to position themselves in such a way to help a fellow believer. Now, there are many reasons for this not happening. Here are four of, the more, four of the more common ones. We do not have quality sanctification context in the local church. We have a zillion Bible studies, but not sanctification con, uh, context. We do not have sanctification small group meetings. Number three, we struggle with fear of man. Number four, we look down on those who, who struggle. Point number six here is application, and finally, point number seven is teaching. Teaching. The teacher learns more than his students. Biff was like a student who crammed for a test on his way to work. A teacher cannot get away with such immaturity. The teacher has to become, become the material. You have to become the material. It's not like cramming for a test. You have to become the material that you are teaching. You have to own it. The best way to own the material is when you can teach it to another person. I'm not talking about rote teaching here, where it is just a transfer of information. Wikipedia can do that. We get all kinds of information on Wikipedia. Anybody can do that. I'm talking about an affected individual discipling another person. This is what we tell our counselors or our mastermind students. I don't want you to learn our program for informational purposes only, I want you to learn it for transformational purposes. I don't want you to be spewing out cliches and facts and pasting on Scripture to people. I want you to be transformed by the very things that you are learning. If you have been affected by the Word of God, you'll be willing to teach the Word of God. Then the Word you teach will grow deeper inside of you. Jesus was the most effective 
teacher of the Word of God. Of course, he was the Word in John 1.1. The biggest key to transformational Bible study is when you become the Word, when the Word of God is so deep in you, and, and you can take what was put inside your mind and place it in another person, that is when you know you're studying rightly. Too many times we learn just to be learning. There was another group of people who did that. They were called the Pharisees. Really smart in the Old Testament, but they missed it by a mile. We should have an eschatological missional perspective when it comes to Bible study. This is what, here's what I mean an eschatological, missional perspective. You see, Christ did not come to show us how much he knew. He came to transform us. He had an eschatological, missional perspective. Our study of the Bible must have the second great commandment in view, loving others more than ourselves. This kind of thinking gives you a proper purpose for studying the Word of God, now you're really motivated because it's really not about gaining information and being like smart Pharisees. No, it's, it's about transformation. You want to be transformed by it, and one of the ways that you'll be transformed by it is when you are discipling other people. It is as though, don't want to get too weird here, but it's as though the, the Spirit of God is working through you into another person. The most effective Bible students are those who do these two things that I'm sharing with you. Number one, they insist that the Word of God transforms them. Now, those are the first six things that that I mentioned to you in this list that I gave you. Salvation, affection, context, study, memorization, and application. They insist that these things are happening. And the second thing, they seek to help others to experience a similar transformation by the Word of God. Thank you so much for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.